everybody welcome to another sonic talk this is sonic talk episode number 281 after a brief week off we're back on wednesday the 5th of september 2012 as usual with our live streaming and live video chat and live guests and live just live everything uh so welcome everybody uh, i'm gonna i'm a little bit rusty because i have been on holiday but i'm i'm pretty sure it'll all come back together again fairly quickly and to help me bring it all together into uh into focus as it were are my uh panel guests uh, we're gonna start with we'll start with a wide shot of everybody we've got uh, mr dave spears over there on the uh the left there if i give him a bit of Lower third love, g4software.com, make us a fine musical instrument, um, soft and, well, not, not hard these days. Uh, any hard coming, coming, do you reckon? Do you think you'd Let's ever make see. a hardware instrument? What, again? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? And if, it, and if we were, I would never reveal it on here. No, it'll be uh, next week. Yeah, <laughs> next week should be done. Just waiting for the uh, yeah right okay I, I won't I won't tease you with that and then we're going to go to our centre section uh, we have Mr Gaz Williams from songsurgeon.co.uk uh, whose website is currently uh, between hosts because uh, is it me mobile me or Mac t- took it all away didn't they yeah I just couldn't you know blah blah it's funny because it's just so low down da- it should be really high up so low down yeah I know what you mean. It's just low down the priorities, and it really should be very high up the priorities, so I'm being a bit silly there. But, uh, yeah, hello, everybody. I'm having a really good day today, so it's a really lovely day in Bristol, and I've been having a really creative day, and it's, uh, yeah, I just feel really happy to be on the show and to say hello to everyone. Look at that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Gaz. Gaz, of course, a bass player, songwriter, engineer, producer, all sorts of things, co-host on Sonic Touch. Uh, we managed to actually string two episodes together week by week, which was a remarkable achievement. And <laughs> um, we're going to do some more of those because there's lots of interesting stuff out. In fact, there's a whole lot of stuff out all together, everywhere. But first, there's Rich Hilton. In sunny Hi. Connecticut, Rich Hilton, of course, uh, engineer, producer, keyboard player with Chic, mans the controls of Nile Rogers' private studio over there in uh, in a secret location, deep in his underground bunker, but strangely with daylight. How are you, Rich? Very well. <laughs> You're very well. You're very quiet. Oh, level-wise? Yeah, it just sort of seemed to have a gate or something going on there. That was uh, unusual for you. You're usually crystal clear. How's this? Um, that's not so good. It's just cut out again. What the se- Wow, really? Mm, maybe a bandwidth thing, but we'll come back to you. So I'm sure with, uh, amidst the, uh, the, the vast array of technical ability available at your fingertips, it'll, it'll soon be sorted out, if it's possibly within your control, of course. Right, so uh, yeah, quite a big week this week. I don't know what it is about September. Suddenly, there seems to be a new kind of... Uh, it seems to be a new drop zone for new gear. September seems. I guess it's before the the market, the Christmas market. They all sort of announce, get it in the channels before Christmas if it's at all humanly possible. But there's quite a lot of stuff. I think we'll start with uh, the Mini Nova because that was possibly the first one to come along. So I'm just going to hit that now. Here it is. Looks an awful lot like a Korg Micro Korg there. I'm n- notwithstanding the gooseneck, but um, same sort of vibe. 
capable of all sorts of contemporary dubstep and modern tunage. This is the promotional video. I won't, I won't play it all, but you get the idea. Um, this is the new Novation Mini Nova uh, from Novation. Oh, quite an attractive-looking thing. A couple of big knobs, usual sort of parameter matrix, but some other interesting features besides. Um, it's Not only has it got the... Uh, the normal controls, but these eight buttons here, um, a lot that you can see along the so uh, along the top panel, are also kind of momentary controllers. So you can press and assign uh, parameters to them and change the sound, which I think is actually quite a novel and unique idea. Actually, I think they maybe they started doing that with the the Ultra Nova, but it's, it seems like they've kind of taken it a few steps further. It's got a kind of fairly decent size uh, display, dedicated filter knob, and the other thing that looks quite cool is this sort of uh, slider parameter matrix. Just a few, I mean, it's like a slant on your sort of standard kind of um, uh, setup for, for, for this kind of keyboard, but I don't know, it's, it's quite appealing. I mean, there's a big hole left by the original microcorg. It got sold and sold and sold, and every band in the world seemed to have one. Do you think they still, they still do? Do they? But I mean, I'm guessing they're hard to come by. What do you think, Gaz? You think this is, could be a winner? Well, I mean, you know, you look at it, and what do you see? It's the microcorg again, but re, you know, redone with Novation. And it's not at all the microcorg inside. But in terms of how many times I've been at festivals, and you just see the microcorg is just like it's everywhere. So obviously, that that particular kind of format must have just worked for people. I mean, yeah, 10 years, I think, or so, the microcorg's been doing extremely well. So, you know, it's, it's very savvy of Novation to kind of just go, okay, let's uh, take that form, but let's put all our kind of cool stuff into it. So I think it's going to be great because I think a lot of people who, who like that form factor, you know, I mean, because that form factor itself is a kind of issue, isn't it? A lot of us, you know, who are used to big keyboards, you know, are thinking, ooh, you know. Yeah. If that's what you use and that's what you're good at and you can use the knobs and get around there, then, then cool. So, yeah, I'm... I was really excited for Novation for this because I think they've managed to get it kind of just right. And I think it's quite funny. There's like some sort of kind of weird wood sort of trim on the end, on the side. Yeah, a sort of brushed aluminium type of thing. Um, just a quick rundown of specs there. What do we got? We got, uh, it's mono timbral, which is a bit disappointing. I mean, I thought the Ultra Nova kind of came in for a bit of flack for only being mono timbral, but I guess they don't, weren't going to increase it. I mean, this thing's only, what, three, 299 street, UK pounds, so it's pretty cheap. 18-note polyphony, dynamic voicing, three oscillators, noise generator, uh, ring modulators, uh, various nine-time saw pulse combinations, 20 digital waveforms, 36 wavetables. Same sort of thing. Uh, two filters per patch, lots of different... Uh, you know, it's basically the same kind of synth engine as the Ultra Nova, as far as I can tell, which uh, I must say, you know, it's very capable and it comes with an editor as well, because obviously you're not going to be able to get to everything that you can. And the editor was quite good for the Ultra Nova. It's a very capable, you know, on paper, but it's, I, I remember, I think it went up, I, I, I reviewed that. And what was the other thing that was out about the same time? I think I can't, I was the Venom, I think. And the Venom just sort of edged it in terms of sounds and sort of made it... So, so I don't know what, whether there's going to be any difference in terms of sound. Um, I don't know. Um, is, does, does this, does this get, get anybody's juices flowing? I mean, it seems like it could be... It's quite a smart move, and I reckon they'll sell loads of them for Christmas, don't you reckon? Dave Spears. Oh, that's Possible. not you. That's Dave. Right there. 
Yeah. yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I, I don't know. I found it quite hard to get excited about. I find it hard to get excited about mini keys. <laughs> but there you go. But I do like the sound of the Novation stuff, so I quite like it. It's a bit of a... It's a kind of, looks a bit like a kind of hipster synth, doesn't it? <laughs> synth for hipsters, you can take it out, you crumple a bag, or your yeah. old-school leather satchel. And So I'm looking forward to getting hip at some point, so perhaps I should buy one. <laughs> do you think Do you think Novation are going to be... Uh, maybe they'll be... What they'll do is introduce a uh, Mini Nova man bag to go along with it, and then that could actually increase the reach of it enormously. Yeah. Could be, yeah. Anything. Anything at this point. Sell more stuff. Uh, yeah, I keep going to Rich. I guess that's probably a good time as any to go to Rich. <laughs> what do you think, Rich? I mean, uh, I don't know. Have, have, have you, are you a, you've, you've had um, Novation controller stuff, right? But not so much of the synth side? Or am I wrong there? I've played around with it. I think it's nice stuff. I think this is a really smart product for them. I think that uh, it's directed towards DJs, really, and the DJ performance culture and a guy who wants to have a lot of... Uh, synth capability available in a small package next to his whatever it is that's hosting his sounds so that he'll have sounds coming out of this thing and he'll have sounds, you know, say if he's using machine, he'll have all those sounds on that same keyboard available to him. And uh, as a product, it makes, and it offers a lot of different variety of inputs. It offers three oscillators. It doesn't cost a lot of money and it's got a small farm factor. And yeah, I like big keys too. But Yeah, but I mean, you're kind of, proper keyboardist aren't you so no but i can play on little i've never minded little keys I've well you didn't you you were t- i remember we did something with you before where you have you had a little tiny controller keyboard that you were kind of quite thrilled by what was that that had mini keys i can't remember what it was though i lpk 25 ah okay yeah this is that's a lot smaller than this now i mean i'm guessing this is very much it's interesting isn't it how the when you look at the actual um the image of it it really looks like those knobs are absolutely massive, the filter and the select knob. Um, yeah, they it, are. Well, they are compared to the mini keys. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm guessing they, they might be. They're ve- I mean, they're very similarly uh, scaled to the, the MicroKorg stuff. I do oh, not see. the look of it. So as you visualise it, so those little keys are actually full-size keys, then those knobs are... Those <laughs> knobs will be absolutely massive, yeah, the size of steering wheels. <laughs> Which wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, it'd be quite a novel concept, wouldn't it? Just to sort of jar. you can always put sort of. Um, in fact, didn't don't some people put like extra um, things over the over the edge of their um, effects knobs so they can tweak them with their feet more easily? Can you do that with your synth? So you just put sort of extra knob caps so that they become really enormous. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm sure I've seen that. I'm sure I've seen. Um, you put different. You they're like kind of uh, rubber not inserts, but they go over the knob so you end up with a much bigger one so you can easily tweak it with your foot. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm clutching here a bit. But anyway, the uh, so this is the first of the releases. So Mini Nova, Ultra Nova, I don't know exactly when it's coming. Um, I think we're going to get one in for review. Um, I'd imagine um, it must be that they're starting to come in, um, aiming for Christmas. 349 UK pounds, 299 street uh, I don't know what that translates to in dollars. It's going to be around about the four five hundred bucks, I guess, that kind of area. So it's the same same sort of price point as the uh, microcorg, and very much aimed at the same thing. That's right. In the chat room, I'm being helped out. Dunlop pedals come with rubber rubber overs. There we go. <laughs> rubber thing you put over your. <laughs> All right, hold on. I think oh, we're, really? heading, we're heading for a show title, if I can actually eke some way out of that to make it sort of non-X-rated. 
Who wrote that? That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's those. It's not the. Uh, it's not those. Um, five, three, seven, four. Right. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm continuing. Uh, sort of at the other end of the scale. In fact, we've, we've got a couple of biggies as well. We've got something from Korg, which was announced um, just yesterday via live broadcast. Introducing the Chrome Music Workstation. Chrome's the workstation for everyone. It's a winning combination of stunning sounds and inspiring features. It's highly portable, very easy to use, and outperforms any other keyboard in its class, and many costing much more. Among the hundreds of onboard sounds, you'll find that Chrome's brilliant acoustic grand pianos are miles ahead of anything else in its class. The huge Kronos-derived piano libraries feature full-length samples for each key. Well, that certainly is very piano-y, and that is, of course, the Korg Chrome, which was announced yesterday. Uh, well, depending on where you were, because uh, Japan got it a little bit first, and so therefore we found the video and stuck that right up before the uh, announcement. Um, Dave looks a little bit suicidal there, um, so I might go to him. I mean, but it's basically uh, just a, a couple of things. I mean, basically, this is their sort of sub chronos workstation entry price point okay because chronos is very expensive like three thousand bucks uh it's a different beast though the chronos has uh what th- nine synth engines as well as all the other stuff uh so you know it's a different it's, it's different a lot of the of the uh, the sound it seems like it's very much a kind of keyboard players you know pianist electric pianos people who need to kind of have those kind of sounds at their disposal but perhaps don't want to lug around a three thousand dollar keyboard uh, people like rich perhaps who I am going to go to in a sort of in a masterful bit of linkage there, Rich. I know that you're um, you've had links with Core, but you tend to use the your Roland pianos are more your thing. I mean, does this look like something that could be good? The eighty-eight key is still they made it sort of lighter weight, so obviously they've done something to the uh, to the overall kind of density of it. But but given you, uh, I forget what the size of the the sounds is. It's a bunch, isn't it? One hundred and twenty voices. What is it? Three point eight gigabytes of PCM memory. Yeah, good for what it is, which is basically a grown-up rompler. But uh, it's pretty good. It looks pretty cool. And the cool- I mean, it's a price point issue now. Now that what they're doing is they're taking their Kronos and they're chopping it down into bits that they can sell to people because there aren't that many people who are going to buy a $3,000 keyboard, let's face it. So if you can sell a $1,500 keyboard or whatever this thing is, that's a beautiful thing. And... Um, I think that this thing looks like a sensible product. Again, I'm going to be full of this this week because I think they're all sensible products. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does It does seem a little bit like a kind of economics-driven kind of thing because obviously when you're investing so much money in the sort of top-end technology, you know, the, uh, this has always been the model, isn't it? You kind of splurge on the, on the flagship, then you sort of bring it down a bit and make it more affordable and gradually uh, uh, those kind of things. So this is, uh, here it is here on the Korg site, um, Music Workstation. What's the highlights? 120 voices, 120 oscillators in single mode, uh, 3.8 gigabytes, uh, 1,077 multi-samples, 1,609 drum samples. It's got a whole bunch of kind of intelligent drum accompaniment stuff, which, you know, sounds sort of naff and not the sort of thing that you tend to use. But, you know, I'm guessing, you know, this isn't necessarily designed for the master synthesis uh, for all this kind of thing. And, Gaz, you're looking a bit exasperated. What's up? 
Well, I am. I mean, you know, if they're going to kind of cut costs, why did they cut costs in the designer? I mean, have you ever seen a more boring-looking synth ever? I mean, you know, do, you know, if they put all these features in there, wow. But no one's going to want to sit there. They're going to be so bored just looking at the damn thing, you know? It's like, that's not going to inspire you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm down on this one. I think it's a... Uh, I think, you know, if you're going to do... Make it a bit funky. Maybe they kind of got their fingers burnt a little bit with the SV1 stage piano, because I love that. Um, but that's really quirky looking, so maybe, I don't know. Or maybe it's just what the market wants. They want something that looks really plain or something. But, mm, you know, uh, as good as it might be, it just I just think it looks boring. Well, I mean, you know, th- this is the sort of thing that it's, it's uh, jobbing keyboard players, gigging keyboard players who maybe, you know, it's a lot lighter than other ones. It's kind of church stuff. It's, you know, there's a big market for this. I mean, I was wondering about this because, you know, they, they said they had a big announcement and they did this whole live thing and everybody was going, God, I bet it's just another sort of uninteresting workstation. And, and I suppose, you know, if you think about it in those terms, yeah, it kind of is. But they're not going to be releasing stuff that doesn't, have a market you know i mean yeah they could release sort of say they put all their money into some sort of really fun you know say a couple of thousand bucks worth of uh, interesting analog synthesizer i wonder you know how many of those they could sell compared to how many of these they can sell you know and that's kind of what it's coming down to to a degree so i mean yes it is rather pedestrian perhaps it's got a large large touchscreen though which um surely that counts for something these days or maybe not where's the chrome where's the chrome on it i mean if you're going to call it chrome then make it chrome and then i'd be excited uh, yeah i think maybe they should do a shiny a chrome shiny version although it would look terrible in the all the product shots because it would have uh, fingerprints all over it oh that's what it is it's no good for pr i, I know dave i mean you're not really a workstation kind of guy but i mean you know, we can get all of this stuff in our soft synths and what have you, but, I mean, taking this stuff out on the road when you've got massive polyphony and large amounts of sample RAM, those kind of, it's not much fun doing it with computers. You know, it, it kind of means that you don't have to be the uh, IT expert. You can just bring this thing up and you've got all of these sounds and, you know, I'm, I'm, Korg effects are pretty good and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I think if I was a gigging muso and needed a kind of small footprint, lightweight machine, I'd definitely look at it. I'm kind of with Gaz on the design. What made me laugh more than anything was I read some of the comments and it was like, in advance of release, it's like, I have a feeling Korg will be releasing an entire series of real analog synths as of tomorrow. (laughs) And it just kind of hyped up and everyone talked it out and talked it out. And we got a workstation. Well, we did get a uh, Micro Korg XL Plus as well, which comes in different colours. Cool. Cool. Yeah, those. no, I mean, I've, I have absolutely nothing against this. I think, you know, it will be, uh, it's very useful for the people who find it useful. Nope. But it's work. a workstation. Yeah, it's hard to get excited about it. But I mean, I th- I'm thinking this kind of stuff is the sort of thing that maybe, you know, your uh, major dealers in the US, your guitar centers and, st- and people say, yeah, we can sell a ton of these. This is what we need, at, you know, at, at the coalface because this is what people want. Yeah. Hey, I, when we were talking about the microcorg, we completely forgot to, me- to mention. Well, we weren't really talking about the microcorg. It was a, a link there, but um, they've just done a all black key version, haven't they? All black. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't see I mean, that. That's great. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty subversive, right there. Come on, Korg. Maybe they could do an all just all chrome keyboard version of the chrome. So all the keys are just chrome, and there's no color on them whatsoever. That'd be cool. And they're doing, like, black and red ones as well. And yeah, that looked blue, nice. Blue and black ones, I think. Um, um, oh, this is Korg. Yeah. 
I still haven't forgiven them for that camouflage thing they did. Oh, what was it? Remember that? <laughs> they did some X32 or something camouflage keyboard. Well, now, if they, uh, just, they, if they did it like there, if they did it uh, for the, the Chrome, it could be camouflage with a K, couldn't it? Oh, uh, very good. It, in fact, maybe there is going to be a Korg camouflage next. Now, what would a Korg camouflage... You know, say there was a new model called the Korg camouflage. It's invisible. <laughs> what would it do? But like the Emperor's new clothes. It's like, look at this. Look, look this is amazing. <laughs> the Korg chameleon. The camel- <laughs> the Korg. It's gone. Yeah, you can't <laughs> see it. The Korg camouflage. I'd, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Stainless steel Korg. Yeah, that's a nice idea. I, I, I got... I just got to tell you a little thing that happened to me a few years back. Uh, I was in a supermarket and I saw a guy all dressed in camouflage clothes. So I deliberately bumped into him and said, <laughs> <laughs> I did see you there. And he went, are you trying to be funny? Are you trying to be funny? And I looked down and he had in his shopping basket just corned beef. That's all he had in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic probably not something you'd want to repeat in say sort of mid-america you know where there's kind of fairly re- relaxed gun laws Bryn Mawr in the South Wales Valley so it's not far off <laughs> that's brilliant I'm sorry I didn't see you there <laughs> excellent guess that definitely gets the anecdote of the week award if I had some sort of a, something to press I would I would uh, right well I suppose what I should press now is um a word from our sponsors because uh, as we know they are very valuable to us uh, we thoroughly appreciate Yamaha if you're watching uh, the, the video stream you'll be able to see this beautiful graphic of the uh, Yamaha's world of applications there's over 20 applications available in the music category alone Yamaha taking the world of app design iOS seriously from simple MIDI control apps uh, and the synth arp and drum palette with built in synth which is a new one perform and play uh, multi-editor essential uh, these things can control your uh, Motif XF Mox, S90X, S70XS, Motif uh, XS and Rack XS that give you kind of control over uh, the levels, the effects, the voice edit, XY power, just the parts, the, the, the general mixing things. There's also a really good one which is Setlist Organizer, uh, which is something that we looked at on Sonic Touch, which allows you to send that program change and have notes and that side of things uh, for a gig so it'll send out program changes to multiple devices and can change everything up for you and a good sort of central control station for that and here it is as if you're seeing the video review the video here um, there's also I think I said the synth arp and drum pad which is also as well as being a MIDI controller and arpeggiator now actually has uh, 61 synth sounds 7 drum kits uh, you can record up to 5 songs little pattern based things 16 drum pads got a MIDI loop recorder whole bunch so if you're in the in the market for a few iOS apps and you've got some Yamaha gear uk.yamaha.com Motif World of Apps from Yamaha thanks very much for their continuing sponsorship of the show we thoroughly appreciate it and whoever did that music should have a pay rise oops that's not what I meant to press yeah no it's good isn't it it's got a it's got a good in fact whoever did the whole video thing if you've seen the video it's a brilliant piece of work absolutely amazing I don't know how they did it and I was talking to uh, the UK marketer and he was saying yeah they because if you didn't see the video there's this sort of spinning globe of applications and they all kind of whiz out from 3d space and it's just an incredibly uh, complicated piece of modeling so uh, good Good marks all around, and the apps are good too, which is a plus. Well, the apps, it's quite interesting that the apps, with the exception, and the, and the honourable exception of the Tenorion app, uh, are 
very functional, aren't they? They're just like, they've really gone for a much more kind of tool-like kind of approach as opposed to more novelty type things. Yeah, yeah. They, do, they just do stuff that you need, which is kind of, is good in a lot of ways. Um, right, what's next? I, I, I tell you what, every time I hear the show back and I'm doing my editing, I've got to stop doing that. What's next? What's coming? I should know. I've got the bloody notes in front of me. I don't need to say that anymore. It's a terrible habit. Um, so I'll tell you what's next, and that is this. And now Roland introduces the all-new Integra 7 Supernatural Sound Module. In addition to the latest supernatural sounds based on behavior modeling technology, the Integra 7 includes all of the preset sounds from Roland's amazing XV5080 Sound Module. It even comes with all the sounds from the 12 SRX expansion boards. You have the complete collection in one convenient place. Just load them into the virtual slots. Yeah. Um, well, this... if you ever did that demo, shouldn't be given a pay rise. Shouldn't be given right. Okay, we'll pass that on. Um, this is, uh, you know, Yam- the Roland, Roland Yamaha, they're all kind of hitting the same September kind of point. This is the Roland Connect thing. They've got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's brand new and feels old, as Atmosonic says in the chat room. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it, it's basically just sort of repackaging a lot of their technologies. And n- not that it's anything bad with that. It's just got a whole bunch of stuff inside. Uh, um, and it's interesting, though, isn't it? Sound modules, I, I'm trying to think when... When, well, a, when a major rack was last introduced, it sort of feels like a kind of very old school kind of uh, move. But I can I sort of see it thinking about it. Gaz? But see it, though. Is it's almost like, you know, when a band comes to the end of their career and they release like a best of, you know, that's what it seems like. It's like, OK, this is the end of the kind of, you know, the modules and here's the best of, you know. And I guess they're allowed that, aren't they, I suppose, you know, and if you want to, uh, you know, the best of what they've done in their past. Uh, but, hmm. Well, it's got the supernatural stuff in it as well. So there's a, quite a lot of uh, additional. I mean, it, it feels like best of because it's it's like a couple of years old now, but it's an ongoing thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I was thinking about this, and the the thing that makes the difference, I think, with the, with this is again, it's that idea of I don't want to carry a laptop for all this stuff. But yeah, it's still got it's still got the USB aspect to it. So and I can control it from my iPad. So it effectively kind of integrates with a bunch of things. And the iPad. Um, uh, editor, which is later on in the video, actually looks quite good. You know, so you can load various SRX kind of things into the, any of the four slots, and you can do all the kind of stuff that you really are a pain to do in those little kind of pillbox windows. And actually, that kind of teamed up, and it's got a dedicated control input at uh, USB slot for that, so you just plug it straight in. So those are kind of cool ideas. And also, it's got, I think it's eight outputs and uh, multiple channels of USB audio. So this thing could actually be, you know, your sound card as well as, uh, as well as just the, the, the um, excuse me, as well as the audio interface, as well as a sound module. I'm just trying to see if I can find a picture there, that, around the back, because we've got the, uh, that's what I'm looking for, web. Uh, can I move that up there? It's, oh. Let me see if I can find... Yeah, I'm looking for the rear shot. It's actually got eight outputs. It's got XLR outputs. It's got a bunch of MIDI. It's got a pair of inputs as well. It's got coax out, a USB audio uh, connectivity. So I'm guessing it can actually function as a whole bunch of stuff rather than just the sound module, but as well as having all of those things. Because I used to have a JV1080, which I, I must admit, I didn't get all that excited about, but it had a couple of sounds that were kind of now uh, that I needed, you know, particularly at the time. And this has got, you know, 
again, it's that thing. I need loads of polyphony. I don't want to tie my laptop or I don't want to take a laptop with me. I just want to plug it into my, you know, the keyboard that I like to use anywhere and just access all of this stuff. And again, it seems, it seems counterintuitive, but actually, you know, why would I want to buy a new keyboard with it? It actually makes sense in some ways. I don't know. What do you think, Rich? Well, possibly the most interesting thing to me about this thing was the fact that it has 5.1 outputs and has a very interesting approach to yeah. space modulation with the voices, where you could actually modulate the spatial positioning of the voices within a 5.1 field. I don't think anybody's ever really done that before. And I'd really like to hear what it sounds like in a good proper 5.1 room, because that to me is the most interesting aspect of this. It's called motional surround. Yeah, that looks really interesting. It it gives you, and you've got control of that on the iPad as well. So you've got 16 sources plus an external audio input that you can kind of move around in a 360 kind of uh, uh, panorama, right? And that is, yeah, that, I, I agree. That looks very interesting. The fact that they ended up with all the stuff that was still sitting in the warehouse is pretty much what Korg did with the Kronos and loading it up with every single piece of software that have, you know, synth software they'd ever written and adding one or two other synth engines and doing things. You know, in other words, everybody right now seems to be trying to consolidate all of their existing resources into new workable, playable products. Now, these are, these are specifically uh, generate, you know, uh, directed towards keyboard gigging keyboard players who actually play a lot whereas that first one by novation is very specifically directed in my view towards dj guys guys with uh, rigs that contain you know pseudo like tractor like pseudo keyboard uh the pseudo turntable rigs and lots of button pushing uh involved you know that kind of uh, music creation yeah yeah it's interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, I think uh, we will be getting a visit from uh, Roland in a in a week or so, where they're going to come down and do another Q and A with the uh, this uh, the Vectra. God, it's not the Vectra, is it? Sorry, I forgot what it was called. Now. That's t- Integra. Sorry, Vectra's a car, isn't it? Uh, yeah, they're going to come down and give us a full sort of skinny of it. So I'm going to ask some questions about that. The motion stuff will be very interesting to see how that kind of works. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody if, correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody's actually addressed it in that. Sure, Oberheim gave you eight separate outputs. You yeah, know, when you factor in then the iPad to move it around, you know, that's powerful energy. It is. I mean and people are saying, yeah, sure, it's been done in Spectrosonics, and that's true, but not in a standalone unit, because a lot of people don't want to take IT on the road with them. They don't want to take their laptops and put them on stage and then have to worry about all of that stuff. I mean, there are people that do, of course, but lots of people don't. And this is the sort of thing that you can kind of you can just hook up and you're good to go and you may i don't know if it's got a usb um origination port it may be possible also to uh hook up uh usb keyboards directly which would be kind of cool wouldn't it i'm i'm guessing wildly at that that's actually not in the spec anywhere but i just thought it would be kind of funky if that was the case well, I hadn't realized that Omnisphere did it, and that's really interesting to well, me. Well, Omnisphere does the uh, spatializer stuff, doesn't it? It does, you know, you've got the kind of, I think that's what they were saying. Do you need to address 5.1 output from within the synth interface? Uh, no, I don't think that's the case. That's very true. Not 5.1, but in terms of spatial, spatialization, you're right. This before, and I, and I just want to hear it. I, just, I don't know how great it is yet. I just like to hear it. If I, I think it could be really great. Yeah, it's it's got it's got some innovation, I suppose, isn't it? That's the thing. And it, uh, what's good is is that this is a box that will give you 
all of that power and polyphony plus uh, it's got what 6,000 sounds I don't know how many 17 part emotional surround ambience 5.1 channel I'm not sure what polyphony is it's going to have to bunch it's going to have a bunch but it's got all of the SRX expansion sound library build 12 titles included so it must have a bunch of RAM ROM in there to, to house all that PCM stuff and there were some classic I mean Dave you you know you're a fan of the JD800 I mean did you ever get JV1080 action I mean that was that was must have been on your horizon at some point when you were when you're making Happening Beats. Yeah, yeah, Happening Beats with Dr. Beat. Um, Dr. Drive, I, I loved think. Ro- oh, yeah, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Beat. Wasn't that Gloria Estefan? Doc, Doc, um, Doc. Mm. Yes, worst use of a sampler ever. Um, I loved Roland stuff, I really did. And I, I, there's part of me that would quite like to kind of spend some time with this. The supernatural stuff kind of strikes me as... Fairly interesting. I'd, for, certainly from a programming perspective, I'd like to know how all that works. So half of me is like, yeah, you know, maybe it would complement all the old ta- uh, all the old classics that I've got here <laughs> and would add a different slant on things with software and a bit, good, bit, good bit of rack hardware. I don't know, you know, I'd, I'd actually quite like to sit in a room with it for a couple of hours and see if I could get on with it. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like they've got a whole bunch of, uh, they've got the supernatural stuff that's from their TD, the latest TD drum things. So yeah. you've got all this behavioral, behavioral things. And I'm guessing you could hook some pads up to it and do that. And within a number of outputs, I mean, if you've got enough people kind of uh, hooked up to it, I mean, there's no reason why, if you wanted it to sound that way, you could probably run a whole bunch of, uh, how many, and there's only one MIDI in, but I'm guessing you could do stuff with that and the USB and the routing and what have you. You could you could run a show off it, and it may if it's got an audio interface built in, maybe it'll stream too out of outputs. So you know, you, it could actually do a heck of a lot. So if you used you had maybe a low powered uh, laptop and you did hook it up as well, and the USB, you could be streaming tracks out of a couple of outputs as well as having keyboard player and the drummer out of another set of pairs. So it might actually work quite intriguingly for that whole kind of world as well. Run the whole show from it if you were feeling yeah. adventurous. Yeah, possible. We shall find out, I'm guessing, in the, in the not-too-distant future. I don't know how much it is. I think it's going to be around about the 1500 1600 quid mark. So it's it's quite a lot cheaper than, than the, you know, it's, it's cheaper than the 80, but about the same price as the 50, the JPs. But it's a different thing, even though it's got similar technology in it. And I'm guessing it'll probably take some of those voices. It doesn't say anything about the way that the parts and the performances work. So I don't know if the voice structure is the same, but I guess we'll we'll know fairly soon. Yeah, I kind of lost interest really with the run stuff around the time of the, what was it, the 2050? Right. <clears throat> the 1080. 1080's a classic module, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a nightmare to program. I mean, it was 16-part multi-trimbrality, but it was just horrible. It had that long D50-style strip, yeah, yeah. and it was just... Uh, I, I eventually ended up just going, I'd love to use it, but really I just can't be bothered <laughs> to program yeah, that's it. One reason, just a, one of the reasons why we did the Fat Boy, you know? It was yeah. like, it perfect for something like that. But yeah, no, I kind of lost. I kind of lost interest. In the next, probably the next generation. Uh, in fact, uh, says Sinner's music uh, in the chat room says it's actually twelve hundred pounds at production room. It's listed there. So that's not, you know, that seems pretty, um, you know, pretty reasonable in terms of all of that stuff. I mean, if if you kind of miss 
a lot of those legacy sound, you got rid of all those modules and you think, well, actually, I could just do with getting all of that back because there are so many things that I missed and maybe I sampled them. And, you know, you're getting, you're buying a whole bunch of sounds. 6,000 sounds is a hell of a lot, although I can't imagine what the bank MSB and LSB and the program change stuff would be an oh, awful mess. I hate doing that in MIDI. But anyway, mm-hmm. there it is. Hmm. You know, the thing about Roland, I mean, I actually use quite a bit of Roland kit. Like my synthesizer, bass synthesizer I was playing earlier is uh, is Roland. And, yeah. And it's funny, you know, if you strip back and make create an initial preset from scratch and then pull in the basic sounds and, and just sort of do it that way with it, it's actually really pleasing. It's really good quality, I don't know, algorithms or whatever is going on. And I kind of think, oh, you know, this is a really cool piece of kit. But, you know, I, I think Roland, um, I think they're improving now, but I think they've just managed to sort of make things that just seem just slightly le- slightly the wrong side of the market, just slightly the wrong side. And Integra 7, it's sort of, it just looks a little bit, it's a bit stark and it's quite kind of, um, it's very serious looking, isn't it? You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a thing of beauty, is it? But I, I'm guessing people are going to be, they're expecting it really to pe- for people just yeah. to use it with the iPad editor and what have you. I mean, you know, okay, so not everybody's got an iPad, but lots of people do. So I was going to say that, but I think ultimately, or just Roland stuff is generally, if you play around with it for a bit, it's good fun stuff. It's mm. kind of got, they do put a lot of playability sort of qualities in there. Actually, we've got the G5, the virtual guitar strat um, thing in the, the Fender Stroke uh, Info Review. I had a bit of a player. If you saw my unboxing video, my awful attempts to play guitar, my fingers actually still hurt from doing that, which is ridiculous. That's how badly and how infrequently I play guitar. Um, uh, that's quite an interesting kind of concept as well, having both of but that, that will be coming along. So they're, they're, they're sort of fingers in lots of different areas, I guess. And the synthesis one is, you know, I mean, it must be, it must be quite a hindrance. Both of these companies have got mass, and Yamaha the same, but massive legacy with this kind of old stuff that is just, you know, it, it's a bit like um, being known for a hit back in the 80s <laughs> and having to, having to continually play it. I guess you you yeah. sort of don't want to. You say no, I want to do some new stuff. So I suppose you can understand that. I like Gaz's analogy of the greatest hits, but I think this is more the boxed set. The box set, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's a very good analogy there. Yeah. Uh, right. What else is coming up? We have. Ah, oh, yes. I think you'll probably be keen on this. And this is this is uh, what video is this? This is this one. Right. Let me just press that one, and then we go here. Jeremy Ellis there on the new machine. He's so compelling to watch. This is on top of the uh, amazing uh, old telecommunications tower in the heart of Berlin. Lucky it didn't rain that day, eh? That would have been a bit of a nightmare. As you see, we got uh, backlit and colour-coded pads, which is a new thing in the uh, machine. Uh, there are also more sensitive touch pads. Uh, there's removable knob caps and interchangeable fascias, so you can funk up and customise your uh, your you know what do they call it? Bling! Oh no, I forgot what it's called. Pimp! You can pimp it. That's what I was looking for. You can pimp your machine. Actually, when you watch Jeremy Ellis playing some other things, 
his he is just so uncommon his, the way his hands move is almost weird there, there's another video I've got lined up later if I've still got, got time for it which is just bonkers Anyway, that's, that's kind of enough of that. But that, Jeremy Ellis there doing the uh, machine uh, thing with the new machine. Now, Gaz, I'm guessing you're probably the most recent purchaser of a machine. I think Rich has one too, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to you, Rich. So, Gaz, uh, do you care or are you happy with it? Has this got all the things you wish your machine had or doesn't it bother you that much? Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like when the last iPad came out, it's... You know, you'd prefer to have it, but it's not enough. I, and I think that a lot of machine users are saying the same sort of thing, that I, I, some people are saying that they're going to get it, but most people are saying, actually, you know, for what it offers, I think the machine, there's not a huge deal of difference. So whatever happens in the software, you know, both of them are relatively the same, really, in the operations. It's not really going to change that very much. The color coding thing is interesting because the machine has this kind of hierarchical system, um, starting with kind of groups, then... Uh, what is it then? Sounds and then um, you can have uh, and then samples. Yeah, uh, was it sounds, groups, patterns, and projects can be assist, assigned specific color schemes? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, when you're using a machine, I actually think you think, oh, that could be quite fun, but I don't think it's uh, necessarily going to be, you know, something that is going to because. That's another thinking then. So when you set things up, I suppose if you're doing live sets and you are prepping things, then it would be great. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the visual workflow has got to be useful. I mean, because you just know exactly where you are straight away. And it's, it's, it's yeah. going to be, yeah. I mean, that's got to be helpful for someone like Jeremy, Jeremy Ellis, who has a massive complexity to his, you know, the way he uses the pads. Yeah, absolutely. But what I was going to say, though, one of the joys of using the machine is when you just sit there, you don't look at the computer screen, you just look at the machine and you just kind of do your thing. Now, I don't understand necessarily how they're going to kind of make a colour, uh, you know, whether you can colour things from the machine itself. I suppose you may be able to. Uh, I don't know. I don't going to do that, you see. I don't. So I think the colouring probably means you have to go to the computer and adjust it on the computer. So that would be the thing. Yeah, but that's setup stuff, isn't it, rather than kind of operational, um, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. The workflow for me, for the machine, is, you know, you just kind of start with nothing and then you just go, you just build it from there and just see what happens. But I, you can approach it in many ways. So that's just, just what I, I my, my feeling that it right. wouldn't necessarily right. change my game with it. Right. But, I mean, it, it seems like a more of a revision, hardware revision. Yeah. Uh, Rich, you're also, um, did you get machine recently? I'm trying to remember. I know you got something. Well, I actually bought it two months ago, and it sat in a box, and I opened it recently. Sure. Ah. I all summer, so I didn't have a chance to get into it. Um, so I only recently had a chance to learn it and figure it out. I'm quite impressed. I think it's great. I think it's fun. I do see some limitations uh, that I would prefer they address, and uh, from what people in the chat room are telling me, at least one of them has not been addressed. Uh, now it looks like both of them have not been addressed. So uh, my two, if I had to find gripes with the thing, it's that they limit you to eight groups and that they don't really have a proper busing scheme within the architecture that allows you to be as flexible as you might be if they did. But they do kind of allow you to do pretty much all the things you'd need to do uh, as long as you keep a group open. And the problem there is that you only have eight of them, and each. And if you want to host an instrument, it takes an entire group, right? Which 
Well, I host, I host. Well, the way I set it up, Rich, is I set on every square within a group, I'll, I'll set up, like, say, 16 instruments, uh, VST instruments, one per, and then use the kind of keyboard pad mode, you know. I don't know if you played around with that. So it's great. So it means it can be, like, one group can be 16 VST instruments, and then you just go, you just select which of the square it is, and then it's there, and you play it on your keyboard, you know, and it's really quick. It's really cool. So that's do that well i don't even mind bouncing things down too much if they had a really like convenient busing architecture but they and they sort of do and they sort of don't um but anyway i think it's a really cool product i think i thought i was really impressed by it i'm still impressed by it it does behave very much like a drum machine it feels like you're operating a proper drum machine once you get going on it and get comfortable with it one of, one of the differences with the new hardware, I'm just going to just say this really quickly, is um, the, the buttons on the existing model are just the regular buttons for choosing things, um, you know, uh, menu buttons, etc. On the new version, they've got a kind of click to them. On the current version, they're just kind of these kind of rubber buttons, but the new ones have kind of, and all the buttons other than the pads have now got this kind of click kind of feel. They're still rubber, but they've put a click. They've got a dent in them. That, that does that help then? I guess it's positive. You know what you're doing. I think that's what it's there for. So that's kind of, you know, it's a, that's, that's a very kind of subtle thing, but I guess, you know, it would be quite nice. But they've also, there's three control knobs on the normal machine and they've just kind of consolidated that into one, into one knob. Uh, okay. Um, there's no side chaining. Uh, was it the, they also throw in a copy of Massive now these days, which is uh, obviously handy if you're buying it to do your dubstep, which seems, everybody seems to be these days. So, uh, Rich, I'm expecting to hear all those dubstep influences in the uh, up-and-coming uh, Nile Rogers productions. You'll be kind of doing your Skrillex vibe there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose I will. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it's, it's going to be coming this way. Um, Dave, you're a drummer, right? So why haven't you got one? I don't know, actually. It's a really good question. Uh, I did kind of, I'd say uh, the Underworld chaps up with this, didn't I? Uh, yeah, well, that, I mean, Darren was uh, just, I thought it was amazing, didn't he? I mean, he was kind yeah. of... Yeah, yeah, which was good, because as I left, I kind of went by as he was downloading all the stuff to try and make it work. Uh, so it was great that he got on with it. And I, and I actually, when I watched this, I was sort of mesmerised by this demo. I was going to say, you know, that Jeremy Ellis, he's not very good, is he? He's bloody brilliant. And in fact, he is. I think that is how to sell something because it was infectious. And actually, from here, I can I could see both Gaz and Rich nodding their heads. I, do, I mean, he's very groovy. I must admit, I didn't kind of the music didn't all do that much for me. But watching him yeah. perform it was what and made fact, me. Yeah, and then it's one take. You know, it's just like right. I'm now going to do this. And for me, that's how, that's really how to sell something. It's like, you know, I said last week, there's too many kind of cryptic videos where you look at stuff and go, so what is it that I'm supposed to be buying? What is it that I need? Whereas this, you kind of go, there is this element of, I need this. It's got flashing lights and things you can punch. And it sounds really good and quite hip. And I think I should have one of these. Uh, Happy Fun Team says Skrilltonius as possibly a new uh, a new state nom de plume for you, De- uh, Rich. Which I, I think is actually or Skrilton, <laughs> just two brilliant nom uh, br- brilliant new artist names that you could you could use. I'm sure. Better better go and get Skrilltonius dot com next there, Rich. I think just when you because when you start pumping out that uh, hardcore 
dubstep, they're going to be all over you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just Jeremy Ellis, so if you haven't seen his, like, live performance of the micro, when that came out, I think it was, uh, you know, eight months back or whatever it was, and he, he's, again, he's on some roof, and he just does, like, a kind of performance, but it's with no looping at all. It's all in free time, and he... And his feel, his feel playing those yeah. passes. Yeah, oh, it totally is. Well, that's the thing. Um, I did actually, uh, I, I was looking at another video, which I didn't get a chance to, to, to hook up because I haven't got enough buttons on this controller. It's just him doing a, uh, if you go to his website, if you go to his channel on uh, YouTube, there's just a shot. He's playing a micro and uh, a, a regular machine at the same time. And he's just playing on one hand. He's playing this, uh, and he's playing the drums on the other hand. And it's really tight. But then he starts playing three things at once. And it's just, it's like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 hold on. And he just, it just looks, I, I don't know whether he's got like a photographic memory or just practices a lot. I guess he probably does, you know, really. But, but yeah, astonishing. It's very uh, captivating way of performing. It's funny, but, there was a salesman uh, years and years ago who was like a brilliant salesman that I met. And he said that he thought this industry was kind of about fashion and selling dreams so that you know instruments come into fashion and go out of fashion but also selling this idea of i could do that and actually when you look at that some of those videos you, yeah there's a there's a sim- i realize i could probably do that there's a similar guy isn't there there's a guy who does stuff on uh, the novation um what's that thing the, the oh god Launchpad. Launchpad. Uh, it does kind of uh, dead mouse kind of compilations, and he's really good as well. Obviously, a, a great pianist. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. And so, yes, machine seems to continue to push its way into uh, into being a kind of dedicated genre. It's obviously doing very well for native instruments because they're spending a lot of money on the promo videos, on top of roofs with tracks and all that sort of thing. You see, there's all that sort of. Rotating. In fact, we're going to do that here. We've got this uh, idea to have because I want to have a camera that can just ro- to, to scope around things. So I'm going to mount a bicycle wheel in the ceiling with like a pivot on it because <laughs> that idea. apparently works as well. So I'm looking forward to getting that one set up. Um, idea. Uh, right. This is the last the last piece, and this is uh, this is just way cool. Yay! Indeed, that is, uh, it may seem like nothing, but in fact, uh, it's the Raspberry Pi synthesizer. Well, in terms of, you know, complexity of sound and what have you, some of those tones are quite sort of basic. But what's amazing about that is that it's being run on a uh, Raspberry Pi computer system, which is a $35 kind of computer on a board. It's got a Broadcom uh, chip, 
which is like a, uh, a mobile phone chip, 700 megahertz ARM processor, 256 gigs of RAM, uh, megs of RAM, Ethernet connection, USB ports, and a card slot. And you can kind of boot this into various different ways. And th- this guy, who doesn't say what his name is, he's called Raspberry Pi Synthesizer on Blogspot. Um, he's, but do- he's created this piece of software that runs. In fact, what you're seeing there is the output of Raspberry Pi because it's got an HDMI output, so you can drive a monitor as well. And it's got a mouse input. And he's just hooked up to a MIDI controller and he's basically running a synth on it. This is the $35 synth, um, computer system. And uh, Raspberry Pi, uh, um, if you don't know, I think a lot of people um, perhaps aren't, aren't aware of it yet. They created the Raspberry Pi to essentially kind of create a, a, a culture of tweakery, tinkering, and computer programmers, you know, people who are going to want to get into making stuff because the company that the, the, the guy who invented it worked for found that the every year the number of engineers that were sort of coming along to for internships or uh for training was decreasing and they were just getting a bit worried that there were very few people out there who were kind of getting into this stuff because there wasn't really a way in so this was their uh, antidote and it's and it's just taken off i mean they've been picked up by major manufacturers they're building them by the million now and they started off i think we'll make you know a few thousand and these things are just kind of coming out and out and out and uh, lots and lots of people are doing very interesting things with them. The, the idea about this so if you think someone could write the software you just plug your mini controller into it put it in a box and you've got a couple of you know again it's another way of doing all sorts of interesting things i'm guessing gaz that this is the sort of thing that appeals to your slightly maverick kind of uh, um likes put likes building things nature am i wrong oh it's brilliant i mean i don't know if you meant uh, i mentioned raspberry pi way back when and i was kind of really excited about it because for me in a way it's it's part of my own history in a way, in my own feeling, because it's like I had a BBC Micro, like I've mentioned many times, years ago, like when I was, that was my first real computer, and I was with that for a long time, and the, and it's the people who, there was a whole bunch of people like David Bra- Bra- Brabham, who was, uh, who wrote Elite, the computer game Elite, you know, which was like a, an amazing game at the time, and uh, and it's the same group of people who are behind the Raspberry Pi, and it's really nice, because I feel like they're old heroes of mine, and I you know, it, so I've been championing it because I love it because the idea of it is really cool. They're trying to make it so money isn't really an issue. It's all about the kind of, you know, putting all that kind of creativity into, okay, it's quite limited by modern standards, but man, it's not limited in terms of what you can do with it. There's incredible stuff you can do. So I think the idea behind it's really, really cool, really exciting. And the fact that it's just like a circuit board, it's sort of it yeah. really you to you know you've got to find so you have to be creative in what are you going to put it in and all this kind of stuff and i just i just find it deeply appealing and so to see a synthesizer okay i mean whatever about that particular synthesizer it just it shows that it can be that because i thought for a while it'd be a great thing to put into if you were making bespoke midi controllers just to use as the sort of the hub of that you know and uh anyway that's no uh, i agree i mean i think it's, it's actually quite exciting it'd be great you know yeah, D- Dave Spears, you're a software developer. Are we going to see any native Raspberry Pi um, plugins? You could just just think you could actually just sell like a couple of GeForce plugins on a Raspberry Pi. The whole thing would come together. That's brilliant. You sound like so many people we have ringing us up. <laughs> I've got a you great idea. It won't take long. This platform, yeah, yeah, it'll only take you five minutes. I mean, uh, uh, so it's a computer, and that was a software synth on a computer. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, oh, right. Really flippant. Well, no, yeah. I think I, I'm kind of with Gaz on this. 
<laughs> and uh, once I read about the reason why they developed it, I was like, wow. Because we really do have a shortage of skill sets, in, particularly in this country, I think, you know. And when you end up, I think I said ages ago, there's like five people in the world I would trust to do certain modelling jobs. When you end up in a situation like that, then something has to give. And this could be the thing that changes it. So, yes, I love all that kind of Cambridge geekery and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, sadly, you probably won't see a in Posca Cambridge Pie 2 from us. <laughs> Oh, not this week. So disappointed. But actually, I thought that sounded pretty good. You know, I mean, well, check this. There's another one here. I've got another one here which I can show you. Which is the uh, this is somebody who's hooked up. uh, If I can get this to an idea, I can get this to. This is somebody who's hooked up uh, a a legacy MS20 core controller to a synth that they put on. This is Mark Nostromo on YouTube. And he's just mapped, you know, controls to the various synth things on here as well. Gets a bit more extreme later on. So some pretty cool... That uh, sounds good. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm thinking... The thing is, is I, I guess it's all about the development environments for these sort of things, isn't it? Because, I mean, I guess they're running on some flavor of Linux, which is not perhaps the most friendly development environment. You know, most people would develop on Macs and PCs, and then I don't know if they can port over or not. I guess maybe there'd be a VST wrapper or something. To, but, you know, you can see, yeah, it could be kind of something funky. Maybe um, uh, FXpansion will release an Arduino version, uh, uh, sorry, a, a Raspberry Pi VST wrapper. Okay, that would be kind of interesting. Then you could just maybe put a couple of things on it because you got an SD card for whatever. I know, Rich. I mean, that, I, I imagine there's probably not enough time in your life to start tinkering with stuff like this, but I, I'd kind of like to one day. Was that last thing we heard with the Korg controller that Raspberry Pi thing playing? Yeah, that's what that. Was? Okay, that sounded pretty good to me. The demo, the demo video we watched, yeah, is interesting and is fun and all that. Thirty-five bucks, yeah, it's great. Seven hundred megahertz, I got it. It just sounded like a Commodore sixty-four to me. <laughs> You've made seven megahertz sound like a Commodore sixty-four, but this thing actually sounded really good. That demo I just heard, and it uh, interests me more now. And it's cool that people. I mean, I you know, in general, I support the idea that these kinds of things are available to people and that people enjoy using them and they get all these cool. Gazintas and Gazautas on them, and you can plug it in HDMI and stuff. I was, I was a little at first when I started watching the video. I was like, Raspberry, what is this thing? I mean, I had no idea what this topic was to begin ah. with. Looking at it, and then I ended up like clicking on. Oh, okay. Like I finally found a video that said Raspberry Pi explained, and then I, I watched that, and it was like, oh, okay. It's you know a tiny little computer. Yeah, it's I like, mean the thing is, it does also. You can do all sorts of other stuff, like you can. Uh, you could run media. Uh, what's it? XBMS, the Xbox uh, Media Center um, operating system on it. You know, there's so you can use it. You can plug it into your TV and use it to stream. You know, I mean, it's kind of, kind of, it's got video capabilities and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be interesting, and I think people coding to limitations generally will result in more efficient code and more innovation because they just don't go, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't have to worry about memory leak or any of that kind of stuff because I've got tons of it. Whereas in this case, you're going to have to be a bit cleaner and tighter with it. So, I mean, that's going to be good uh, in terms of discipline. But yeah, I mean, because the alternative to a lot of this stuff is uh, is the Arduino stuff where you can just 
get MIDI bridges and do all that. But that looks that still looks pretty difficult to do uh, to a not for a novice. And uh, just the idea of you know maybe you could order it, you could just get an image that somebody would sell you that you could then put onto a an SD card, boot from it, and your Raspberry Pi becomes a whatever it is. You know, I mean that's what I like the sound of. I mean all of that kind of stuff. Oh, Gaz wants to jump in there. Yes, and I just had it in my head then. The thing that people need to do is get a Raspberry Pi, put it in a little box, get an SD card, download Wikipedia, which you can get the whole thing now, can't you? It's a downloadable thing. It's just a text. Chuck it in there, put it in, like, make, a, make like a kind of time capsule with Wikipedia in like a little box. Interesting idea. Yeah. <laughs> and an interface and stuff. Because I, I, mean, I guess it's just like a web browser. All of these things, there are various different um, uh, operating systems kernels and what have you and you can download various codecs for mp2 and what have you oh no i i I just think this is great and i the reason i mean both of these things have only shown up in the last couple of days so obviously these these units are getting out to the general public and people are working on i mean some of these people have had them for for longer for longer than that so you know i guess the next thing is um you kind of you you met cases for it and what have you and you can run little web servers and you know linux is a very powerful operating system i mean all of this you see before you, you know, is running on Linux, essentially. You know, all of the website and the web services and the stuff that we run, that's kind of Linux. And, and some of the little tiny, um, I think the, you, Amazon do little um, virtual machines that are about the same power as a, <laughs> as a Raspberry Pi, perhaps only a little bit more. You know, and we run, the chat room runs on it, for instance. You know, the chat room is running on probably the equivalent of a Raspberry Pi, perhaps with a bit more memory and disk space. So, you know, they're fairly powerful. Uh, I don't know what else to say, really. That kind of sums it up. Some very cool stuff there, though. Um, they should oh. make. Go, Rich. Said so they should make a box. <laughs> yeah, I think that would really help because when you kind of got this thing that you, if you put it down wrong or pick it up wrong, it's going to break. You, you need just someone that you can make something that just snaps together. A really simple plastic case that would that would do it. I feel like carving my own, you know? Yeah. See, business, business opportunity. Wee woo, wee woo. Yeah, like iPhone cases. Yeah. Uh, right. So I think we kind of done. I mean, we made it to the end. Oh no, we didn't. There was one more thing. Does anyone want to look at the uh, DJ stuff, or did I not get the chance to do it? I think I might not have. Oh yeah, I have. This is this wireless DJ thing, uh, which was really uh, the only thing I wanted to do was uh, kind of instigate a quick conversation about wireless audio. Really. So if I play that, it might, it might actually do something. Let's have a look. That doesn't sound like it's playing to me. It's not. It's playing out of the computer speakers, which is not really where I want it. But essentially, the idea of this, I suppose if I turn them up really loud, you'll be able to hear it. Um, The idea that you can hook up to this control surface over Wi-Fi via your various uh, um, iPhones and smartphones and what have you, and then play them back as sources is kind of cool. And the whole wireless audio thing, nobody's hearing this at all, but you'll just have to take my word for it. There's some banging beats in the background, but it's the visuals that are probably more key. This is the new Pioneer XDJ Aero. And what I wondered really was, in terms of our um, applications, in terms of sort of pro studio, pro audio, or, or, or thereabouts, are there, <coughs> are there any appropriate applications for the current state of wireless audio? I mean, is, is there any way that it could work and be 
useful in your environment? I'm guessing, Rich, because you're probably the the one with the sort of the the, the biggest selection of uh, pro audio gear in the in your room around you. Uh, would you would you consider using wireless audio for anything? As it stands, um, yes, I have been asked to consider it. And um, while, particularly with guitars, I prefer a wire, um, I've heard of people getting remarkable results with the top-of-the-line recent wireless gear on guitars where it doesn't sound quite so compressed, etc., etc. But as relates to the product in question, I don't see any problem with using it at all. No, I think it could work. It's the latency, isn't it? That's that's the real-time aspect of it in terms of, you know, I press a button and the sound happens and then I hear. In terms of the Wi-Fi side of things, I guess, but that we reviewed the uh, Line 6 uh, wireless guitar system, which has got, you can dial in cable deterioration. It's so it's so clean that, you know, you can actually dial it back and drop the top end off and do all of those things. And that is that the kind of stuff that you're considering in terms of usage yourself? Well, I'm, I'm, you're asking me if I would hypothetically use it. And in, in my case, in the recording of guitars, I've been asked to use it. Ah, okay. um, in this case, it's more of that two-track sort of DJ behavior being controlled from out in the middle of the room. Now, whether the handheld device is actually transmitting the music or not, first of all, is question one. Because I think in most que- cases, what, the, we, what they showed was it acting as a controller for a computer to which it is linked, which is then, in fact, controlling the music, however wirelessly or not. But in my own case, where I use like AirTunes, for example, and you can actually play music from your handheld device, not just reference to a, a, connect, a wirelessly connected computer. You can do it straight from here. I don't have a sense of a lot of latency, but I don't have any real way of measuring it. In other words, when I press play, it pretty much goes. And when I press stop, it pretty much stops. And I don't feel a lot of, you know, 512K sample buffer, you know, on there. Um, So I don't know what the numbers are, but I suppose it could probably be done just fine. And uh, the the Pioneer product looked, again, Really, first of all, the demo videos we're watching this week, most of them are really like fantastically exciting and lit, lit and, you know, just bang, boom, bah, bah. You know, very, I got to say, the state of the art of the way people are promoting these products seems to be lifting up just a bit to me in terms of the way these things look exciting. And this is a sensible looking product to compete in the world that Pioneer somewhat owns already in the DJ market and also now is somewhat populated by Tractor and products like that, which I also had the privilege to check out recently. Yeah, I mean, the promo, you're right. I mean, it's kind of like pop video stuff, isn't it? Um, it's, it's amazing. Gaz, I know that you're, you, you kind of got some, you know, your, your dream to kind of have a wireless, uh, a wireless world. I mean, it, yeah. is it? I'm, I'm crazy about wireless, <laughs> wireless, but there has to be, the products have to be right. And like, you know, um, they have to be so simple to recharge, you know, it has to be, you know, like a no brainer. So, you know, you, you, you park things and they charge, you know, maybe ideally via induction or something. So you don't even have to sort of plug them into charge. So they're always charged headphones, wireless headphones, no, or, you know, with fractionally small latency. Yes, please. I'm desperate for that. You know, that would be amazing for me. And especially, uh, when you're doing sessions with lots of musicians, 
Uh, I I suffer from a certain amount of cable anxiety. I mean, cables, they upset me. I realized one of the happiest I'd been this year was when I'd bought loads of Velcro cable ties and they were all <laughs> just tying them up. And, you know, I felt like a gloom, a, a gloom lifting, you know, just by just just managing to sort of tackle that little aspect of my life. You Did know? you go for colour coded? We we actually, if you ever need any Velcro cable ties, when we used to sell T-shirts, we had a, we yeah. bought a stock of kind of uh, 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 things like that to sort of add at the shopping cart point. You know, like Velcro cable ties and metal and, oh. and plastic ones. I, mean, I might have a couple of packs I can let you have. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> oh, that would be. I'd be so excited. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. So you can see from my excitement over. Velcro cable ties, how much wireless, you know, really was, would float my boat. Um, I really, really, really want a little microphone, you know, XLR with a little transmitter on, cluck, so you can cluck them into any microphone. I've got a little kind of neat sort of, I don't know, like an Apogee Pre or something, you know, in there. Click, 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 you know, and then when you finish with them, you just chuck them back on the thing so they recharge. Yeah, just, no, that sounds like a great... Uh, the, in fact, there was SM Pro Audio... Um, this is something we got quite excited about. They do a 2.4 gigahertz uh, wireless DI box, um, which uh, I don't know if it's... St- yes, yeah, stereo. It's a stereo one, so you can use it to... I mean, we were kind of quite interested by the idea of using this to drive remote speakers, remote monitors, mm, uh, or bringing stereo sources in and out of the place. I, I don't know the exact... But I'm still waiting to... 100-meter operating range. I don't know what the latency is like. I'd love to try it out. Um, but these are the these are the kind of the issues that you got to deal with because I mean, the audio does get compressed to be transmitted. It's not transmitted full bandwidth, so there's going to be some latency in within that. Or, or I, I, I'm I'm assuming I know in a lot of cases it does. I don't maybe it doesn't with this, but that's part of the. I mean, well, and one of the other things is you know, just going to Cat Five because we've got the Behringer uh, X32 still here, and the S16 and the P16 boxes have arrived, and I've just started plugging those up. And that's kind of cool, you know. So I've got this box that just has all the outputs and stuff. I can plug a pair of headphones in and just kind of monitor any of the inputs on the outputs on the system from 100 metres away. You know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, this is starting to get kind of interesting. Yeah. That's just like one five cable, though. Yeah, I like the idea of that. I mean, I'm I'm kind of getting more and more into that idea, and the latency certainly on the AES fifty is is pretty nominal as far as that. But as as far as wireless goes, I don't know. I mean, Dave, you don't seem to have an awful lot of distance between your things to require any wireless. I mean, I'm guessing underneath and behind all of that, there's all sorts of uh, massive amounts of cable and and what have you. Or have you got it kind of fairly well uh, tamed? No. No, chaos reigns. The chaos of cables. I, you see, I quite like plumbing stuff up and making sure everything's sweet. The only thing I, that really annoys me is like when you have one cable and you've threaded it all around the back of everything else and it's all of a sudden started to misbehave. I had that on the monitors the other day and that was like, oh, God, give me wireless. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, I kind of imagine a world where there were no cables and no knobs on things to touch and everyone mm. walked around with these like little tablet like devices and touch stuff just touch glass to make things happen now I you're talking be, crazy stuff i think that would be really dull myself mm. <laughs> I've, got, I've got this thing called overground and underground and it's like 
you know, when I'm going to plug a piece of equipment in, I'm thinking, am I going to go overground or am I going to go underground? Now, if I go in underground, I have to bury that cable, put it in properly, all the kind of shenanigans that goes on with that. But if I'm going overground, it's just kind of like just drooping across. Sling. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's like to go overground or to go underground. And I'm always chopping and changing stuff all the time. So, again, one of my major dilemmas that I'm sharing with you today. <laughs> well, you have an overhead routing system. Lots of things. I've got that sort of happening up above my head at the moment. I, I don't know if I can. You probably can't see it very well, but there's a whole load of wires. And there's that wire up there that's running from the light that is my key light over here up to the mains up in the ladder up there. You know, so yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It, it kind of. It's interesting stuff. But I think one day it's going to. Sorry, wireless mains. I'm not sure I fancy having 240 volts travelling through my body <laughs> wirelessly. I think that might be a little bit bad With all this gear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like 15 amps. 15 amps going through you, at, or 13 amps going through you at 240 volts. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> I might end up losing any... Well, maybe it make my hair grow. Who knows? Right, well, I think that topic pretty much sums it up. And I do uh, thank you all for hanging in there. We got through the entire um, entire topic list today. And there were a lot, as we said. You know, September's been a very big uh, time. Also, we do have the results of the Iris competition coming up soon. We had 266 entries. <clears throat> and uh, we now got to wade through them. So anybody want to volunteer, that's fine. But I understand I mean, if you're not. too busy. I think the idea was to, we all kind of come up with two or three in each category and then we all pull it together and see what we got. And then, you know, but if anyone feels like doing that, I can pass them on the details. But um, yeah, some great stuff in there. Just tons of it. It's fantastic. And then um, what else is coming up? Oh yeah, next week we've got um, Dean Honer from the All Seeing Eye coming on uh, he's from the sheffield the sheffield posse this is what the all-seeing eye did i won't play too much of it because i'll probably get busted for uh, for uh, plagiarism or you know but this is the track that they did if i i'll get to the track with the vocal and you'll be able to hear it it was huge this track very cool kind of uh, Anyway, I won't play anymore because <clears throat> I'll get busted by YouTube and I don't want that. Yeah, there's a great groove on that. Yeah, it's anyway, um he's going to come on and talk to us about what he's been up to. Um so he'll be on next week and um but that's it for this week. So thank you very much everybody for joining us. We'll start with you Dave, Dave Spears, G4 Software. Thank you for giving you. up your valuable time and uh I hope your um your, the rest of your day short though it may be is uh fruitful and all those things thank you uh, it was good fun really good fun guys you were on top form tonight yeah i'll have a good day today excellent i think yeah. it's the red bull the red bull <laughs> something like that or the green stuff gaz yes thank you very much for joining us too gaz williams songsurgeon.co.uk or you know you can see him on sonic touch as well we're going to be doing some more stuff there because we've got some big there's some big apps out um so stay tuned for that too do Anyone in Bristol on Saturday, the Montpellier Bean Feast is happening and the Rumbelows, the band I play and are going to play there. The Bean Feast is quite cool in that it's, a, it's, it's an old festival. I think it dates back 300 years ago or something and they've just resurrected it recently. But it's just, just quite nice, a Bean Feast. So there's a bean <laughs> sounds, feast. <laughs> sounds interesting. <laughs> Might try and get along to that if I can. Anyway, thank you for joining us too. And finally, we've got Mr. Rich Hilton, who as, uh, as legend has it, is probably waiting for his limousine to... to 
to whisk him off to make hits in the uh, private facilities of Mr. Nile Rogers. Have a great day, Rich. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, always. And I want to see Skrilltonius.com um, showing up in your, uh, in your URL list for, for, for next time. <laughs> it's my alter ego. I've decided, because one of the guys who was uh, doing the tutorial videos I was watching called himself F Major. So I decided that I'm A flat minor 7 flat 5. Okay, dot <laughs> com. Great, Rich. Uh, that's it. I'm going to play out with uh, what was I doing? I was going to find. Oh no, I'm not going to play with out with anything because I'll get busted. But anyway, that's Sonic Talk number two hundred and eighty-one. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>